begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Ben and I, Chris, aka Star Raptor. Welcome to the Star Raptor YouTube channel. Welcome to Outer Rim Transmission. It's episode 129. Uh, we're a little bit late for Life Day, but we're still going to be celebrating that here on the podcast tonight. We're going to get into the, uh, the evolution of Life Day, uh, the spawn of Life Day in the infamous holiday special and where it is today, how it's seeded into the canon of the Star Wars lore and galaxy. Eh, we'll go over a couple news stories, but there's not really been a whole lot, honestly. So um, we're going to probably ramble a little bit on this episode, maybe I would imagine. Um, Milton will be back with us next week, I believe. So it's just going to be me and Ben this week. How's it going, man? Good, good. I mean... It's a really good weekend. Got some good workouts in. Hit my diet well, so it's been it's been pretty good overall. My my NFL team won today, so that's always a good thing. And you know, now we're ending the weekend talking about the holiday special and Star Wars Life Day. So like, you know, what's a better way to end the weekend than talk about you know the masterpiece that is the holiday special? Yeah, so we could just start off with that, I guess. Um, I mean, do you have any Star Wars uh, our weekend Star Wars kind of things to talk about? Because uh... Yeah, I I can mention about the life day thing. <laughs> um, I really don't. Other than okay, so like I last night I sent you guys a uh, a thing in our group chat. Well, once we get you know we'll get diving into the holiday special. But so the funniest thing I think coming out of the holiday special. So yesterday was the first time I really like I've watched it years and years ago, but you know I wasn't actually paying attention. But yesterday was the first time I intentionally like sat down and was like, okay, I'm going to just like put my phone pretty much on silent and try to like watch this for, you know, the hour and 37 minutes that it is. And, you know, I made myself pay attention. And, oh, man, that is something. Um, but for starters, like my little week in Star Wars leading into that is it's funny because back then, you know, this was created in or this was released in 78. So that means it was made probably, you know, late 77, early 78. Which means, you know, it was such a different era for Star Wars, for one. But for two, a funny thing I came instantly um, came into this was, you know, as you noticed, Chris, when you checked it out, it, it said sponsored by General Motors. Like, so, you know, it's so funny, like, seeing, you know, a Star Wars property, like, being, like, sponsored by General Motors and stuff. For, you know, because you want to imagine a big studio being sponsored by anybody nowadays. And, you know... So it was it was funny just like seeing that little tagline at the beginning of the holiday special. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. But yeah, like that was kind of like my little week in Star Wars, but you know, of course we're gonna get into the entire holiday special. But yeah, my week in Star Wars was reading uh, and there go a couple Lorcana cards that I had on there. Uh this amazing book here. High Republic fans rejoice. We are back. High Republic is back and it is better than ever masterpiece of a book i don't have my review out yet but man oh man one of the best star wars books i've read in a long time and i've been saying that a lot this year i feel like like uh inquisitor rise of the red blade was amazing by the lot of less now george mann has picked up the mantle he's delving into phase three trials of the jedi the last phase of the high republic has now begun in earnest there's been the shadow lights a shadow of starlight comics there was the main high republic comics by kevin scott but you know it's nothing like reading a highly hyped Star Wars novel. And I said this on Twitter. I said, sometimes it feels like when I have a book like this, this is like 
for me, the hype is almost like, this is like up there with the games. This is up there with the series. This is up there with the movies because, especially when it comes to the High Republic adult novels, they really go big and the stakes are huge and, and the characters are so complex and there's so much in there. Um, and it's just, again, it's a testament to, to the architects of the High Republic, everybody that was involved and publishing, doing the good things here. So, yeah, I've been enthralled with the book. I finished it in about three and a half days. So that tells you how good it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, that's good. It's, book, it's, you know. Yeah, it's always good when you have like a Star Wars book hook you in like that. I mean, that's how I was like, I remember back in the day with Death Troopers, you know, mm -hmm. that book just hooked me and I was like, okay, I got to finish this right now. So it's mm -hmm. it's always great getting like a good a good Star Wars book that really hooks you like that. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So there we go. That 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 was my week in Star Wars, just consuming, being back into it all of the higher public. Not that I've fallen off, but, you know, it's been a little bit of a gap other than Tales of the Light and Life and the random thing here and there. And, uh, no, I did not get lucky enough to get the Cell and Geos lightsaber. I know it's one of our um, topics for now. I guess I'll just talk about it now since I mentioned it. But, yeah, there was a the, the first real concrete High Republic merchandise uh, limited to 5,000 quantity, they were selling a Selengios lightsaber, cross guard, blue lightsaber, ornate as all hell, as you would expect from a lightsaber hilt designed in the High Republic. Uh, it was up for sale on Disney Parks website or the Disney store, whatever it is, um, online or at the store or at the physically at the store. And it came with a special cover of the High Republic annual i want to say or free comic book day edition with a cool new variant cover i think my one friend that was in line said it was like 350 bucks so it's actually a little cheaper than i thought i would be um i just hope this bodes well for hey people obviously were craving this thing is sold out in two, less than two hours send that message to disney and get hasbro to start making these things oh, yeah. in wide release like Come well, on here. like I recommend, you know, the Disney Parks lightsabers. Like I was reaching over and grabbed oh, mine. Oh, yeah. Here's my, here's my um, Anakin great. slash Luke one. Yep. And you know, it's it's metal, it's heavy, and it's cool because like it has like an insert, so it, you can block off yeah. the part of it, so you know, dust and stuff doesn't oh, get into it. Wow. And um, you know, it can it comes with a stand, like you yeah. can like put it on, you can hang it on the wall like this, or you can even you know put it up and down where it's just held up like that, and you know. And this one was only like 120 bucks when it's I got insane it. Insane um, how they're able to know. keep the prices down so low, and well, and they have a variety on there. Like you said, oh they gosh. have the higher public ones. They also have like you know all the prequel ones like Qui Gon, um, yeah, Dooku, Maul, yep. all those people, um, Yoda, even uh, you know it just has all your main characters of Star Wars. And I'm pretty sure you know they um, they were supposed to I think release an Ahsoka one if I'm correct on there. Um, they do. They've released one. Yep. Two of them. Yeah, both so, in sabers yeah. in a special case. Yeah, so yeah. like, I mean, they're really good quality for the value too. I mean, yeah, like I said, over the summer, I built my Galaxy's Edge, you know, from Savvy's workshop there at the Disney World. Uh, it's amazing, uh, incredible craftsmanship for such a low price. Because I mean, you go and and you get like an imitation lightsaber that are meant for dueling from like Ultra Saber or Saber or Forge or something. They're like triple the price, and they're not even like the realistic yeah, ones. Yeah, oh, yeah, I can, I can attest to that. Like you know, for a, a future unboxing we'll do here on the channel. Oh, but um, you know, a collectible lightsaber I bought was um almost four times the amount of that Anakin one. So, <laughs> you know, it was, 
I mean, it's worth it for for the one the thing I got. You know, we'll see it eventually ah. on this channel. But even at that, um, it's just it's crazy to see. You know, but then again, that's what you can get. Like when, you know, I guess it's like the trade off of having those smaller saber companies because, like, mm-hmm. you know. Like like with a bigger company like Disney, they can advertise like literally internationally versus just like a smaller saber company's like advertising on like Instagram and YouTube and stuff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So getting into well, yeah, actually, real quick, you mentioned this is kind of funny. This spawns on another whole another discussion. You called nope. it Anakin's saber. I call it Luke's saber. I know some people call it Ray's saber. <laughs> it's just funny about the legacy of a lightsaber and, and what people will say. I, I think like first first come, whatever the words come out of a person's mouth kind of sets them in whatever trilogy maybe they like the most, even if it's a consequent, and, you know, a subconscious reaction that you're not even thinking about. It's like, yeah, you call Anakin's saber. You're a big prequel fan i call luke skywalker i'm a huge original trilogy fan well see (laughs) see here's the um the reason i say anakin's actually isn't even due to the prequel trilogy it's because like ever since i was younger you know it stuck with me um you know obi-wan saying this was like your your father's lightsaber or whatever and all that stuff so like you know that like stuck with me like oh it's anakin you know then when we finally made that connection um to Anakin being Luke's dad or Vader being Luke's dad, it's like that like stuck with me. Oh, and that's another saber I would love to get eventually too. Yeah. Is the Vader saber on the Disney Parks website looks oh. really good as well. Okay. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's funny. You you want to see any grown ass adult just turn it to a kid. You know, just go to one of like the lightsaber vendors in, you know, in Disney World, it's like the Disney Springs area downtown disney and disney disneyland in california they have the dedicated star wars shop and then they have like the nice glass case as if it's like a jewelry store or something and they have all the lightsaber hilts just like spread out and you just see like people going up to the counter and just like oh my gosh it's luminor on dually's lightsaber oh my gosh it's asajj ventress's lightsaber you know it's not just like the big names they have the actual nitty-gritty like random ass jedi that you see for yeah not even five minutes in, in the prequel you know it, it's it's really neat um hasbro hasn't even tapped into going into that yet oh and i just seen the other day they're going to be having a kanan jarrus lightsaber that you can actually take okay. apart just like he does in the first episode of rebels oh that's really cool you know focus fire <clears throat> on the jedi you know as agent Cal that's says. awesome love that moment one of the best moments in star wars right if you ever have an episode that is definitely going to be in my list for one of the best best moments oh yeah yeah so for those of you that might have gotten the Celis geos lightsaber congratulations i'm happy for you and hopefully disney sees this and's like let's make a second run of these or let's make avar chris's lightsaber or some other give me porter angle's lightsaber that looks like it's a pirate cutlass with like this blade that goes along his his hand right as the hilt so cool stuff there so rolling into housekeeping you can listen to us on any podcast app of your choice spotify apple music google store google play whatever it is these days go ahead subscribe please leave us a comment let us know how we're doing it helps the algorithm it helps us kind of stand out amongst the crowd of other great star wars contributors in that space also if you're listening we go live every sunday around 7 p.m eastern time we'd love to have you a part of our positive Star Wars community here 
being a part of the conversation, you know, adding in little tidbits, steering the conversation in some ways, some shape or form. We'd love for you to do that. We also have super chats enabled, super thanks enabled. Um, not necessarily, obviously, but if you want to show your support for me and the channel here, that's always kind of a tip link. You could um, send in your contributions through that. So getting into out this week, as I mentioned already, very, very good Star Wars book, The Eye of Darkness, out this week. We also have a bevy of comic books that came out this week. We have The Mandalorian Adaptation, issue number six. We have Star Wars Visions is having these one-shots every couple months. At least we have two announced so far. And we got the one already called Peach. Uh, it's written, and I would say written in a certain asterisk. There is no dialogue. So it's a lot of very abstract images. Um, some of you are like me. You might not be a big fan of Peach Momoka's work. Yeah, probably not going to like something that's completely created by her. It's a little bit abstract. As I said in my review, it just kind of left me a little confused. Kind of like, where's this going? Obviously, this is not canon, which is not saying it's just disregarded in, in a trash pile. I'm just saying this story is not meant for me. I appreciate that Lucasfilm is giving the leeway to creators to kind of go outside the box. And that's really, really cool. Um, but maybe I have to read the story another time or look at it another time. But it didn't resonate with me. Uh, you could listen to, well, actually you can't listen to us this week cause we're on hiatus for like, at least for me this week, but usually me and Matthew Nugabauer from the Star Wars Underworld Network, we're on the Tractor Beam podcast, usually every Thursday. Last week he was busy. This week it's going to be American Thanksgiving, so I will not be on. I believe he's going to be doing some kind of solo thing in the meantime, and then we'll be back next week in earnest, uh, the following week. Uh, I guess that's the last week of November um, so stay tuned for that. We also had Dark Droids issue number four and Dr. Raffer issue number 38. I will also put this out there. Dr. Raffer, there's been some news stirring around recently. So there was a trade paperback that was solicited of containing issues, I think 32 through 40. Um, and based off of that, there's some speculation that perhaps... The series could be ending with issue number 40 based on how the numbering works, based on how things are being set up in the dark droids. Uh, it looks like this series might end in February because there's no actual release of any Dr. Aphra issue in four, uh, you know, past issue number 40, which is January. So sometimes comics, they do have a buy month, especially in the like the February, March uh, months that that's usually seems like the time where okay they 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 let go of the gas a little bit it's whatever for whatever reason they get a break so it might just be that but then why would they only have issues whatever through forty that's that's kind of strange um, so we're we're curious I would expect that we would learn more very very soon if that is the case I reached out to Alyssa Wong the writer of course I wasn't expecting a response and nor did I get one but it was worth a try. Um, but I'm sure we'll see it on StarWars.com when they do announce it is the end. At New York Comic Con this year, they announced that uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunters is ending this year or next year with issue number 42. So things are wrapping up for that um, pre-Return of the Jedi era. I really expect uh, to see us bridge that gap at the end of next year at the very, very least. So stay tuned. 
look at that stuff. Uh, there's a, I'll, I'll give a shout out to a really cool Star Wars podcast and great social handle called Star Wars Splash Page. Those guys uh, are, are great. That's Jeff and that's Matt. They, uh, they talk about the comics every week, and Matt does a really good job of aggregating all the comic book dates that are constantly fluctuating, and he's constantly keeping us up to date on what's coming to the letter. So definitely give those guys a follow. They're very valuable if you're avid comic book fans. I know I use them every week as I'm going through getting my artwork and stuff. They do a great job of promoting what's coming out um, and doing a good job for the community there. So there you go. I think that's everything. I think that's housekeeping is in order. I already knocked off the one story about the Cell and Geos lightsaber. Another cool story that popped up is apparently Jedi Survivor is up for a Grammy nomination. A video game in a Star Wars galaxy is getting a Grammy nomination. So pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. I don't know to what capacity that this award is there like a video game award now at the grammys i'm not sure i'm not sure i don't i don't follow like i'm not like the biggest um i don't know i just like kind of like listen to music when i lift weights and that's about it so i don't really follow like the music scene really well like i don't you know i don't check out the award shows or anything like that so i'm not sure i would if i had to guess i mean i could be a hundred percent wrong but i would guess it's probably like a sound design type thing or something like that maybe yeah i'm I'm not sure currently looking i'm currently looking to see who actually did the music for the game as we speak i should have done my homework a little better in this case but um, when i find that information i'll be sure (laughs) to give you guys that if i can find it during the course of this podcast but um, we do not want to hold things up for that, but I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. I want to give obviously credit where credit is due. Simple Google search is not popping up with that. I think it would be that easy. Uh, but okay, Stephen Barton and Gordy Hobb. All right, there's only a second round of nominations. Okay, oh, Star Wars actually put this on their Twitter. Okay, congratulations to Star Wars Jedi Survivor and composers Stephen Barton and Gordy Hobb on our Grammy nomination for Best Score for Video Game. Oh, that's hmm. cool. I never knew they had that for the Grammys. Okay, and here, here's who they're up against. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, God of War Ragnarok, Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, I'm, I'm happy about that. And Stray Gods, the role-playing musical? I have no idea what the hell that last one is. Oh, man, that's that's steep competition, though, for those first few you oh, named, especially. Man. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy. Like, Hogwarts Legacy, that was the first game that came out this year. And that's what's on everybody's mind now, is because the Game Awards, hosted by Jeff Keighley, they put out their game their game nominations, like, last week. So, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, Jedi Survivor. I might as well mention that here. Jedi Survivor is up for best action adventure and i believed it was snubbed from being best game of the year simply put Mm -hmm. i played through the game twice now and it still holds obviously it holds up it just came out a couple i mean it like the story is just as good the story is just as good for me absolutely love it and i mean the game of the year nominations are uh let's see it is um spider-man 2 super mario Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Zelda, and I think there's one other one in there. 
somewhere. But any other year, if it wasn't as busy as it was this year, I, th I really strongly believe Jedi Survivor would have had a nomination for Game of the Year. But it's just the fact that you had Zelda and Baldur's Gate 3 yep. coming Spider out the same 2 is year. Spider-Man 2 is huge. And for whatever reason, I know the last one now. Resident Evil 4 Remake. It's like, that is BS. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't put a remake that got made 20 years as your Game of the Year contender. I don't care if it if it's that good. Like, That's not fair. The game's bare backbones were already made 20 years ago. Give another game a shot. I understand. Like the, I'm playing through another amazing remake right now, and that is Dead Space. It's incredible, but I, as good as it is, I wouldn't say it's Game of the Year just simply because there's other experiences that are brand new, built from the ground up. So I don't know who was actually. Well, obviously, they have got, a committee in voting these things, but who was voting for that game that became Game of the Year? You, you got to think about it this way: like, think if they would release a um, like a Halo Two remake next year for like its 20th anniversary, yeah. or in a couple of years for its 20th anniversary. The thing is, though, you got to view it this way: the people that are voting are all people that are like in our age, like in their 30s or early 40s. That 20 years ago they were kids playing, you know, mm -hmm. Resident Evil, so like they have that built-in nostalgia, and you know, obviously, I'm sure it it um, influences voting to a degree. So yeah, I would say that's part, that's part of it for like something like that. That's very odd that a remake would make it um, for, you know, all the reasons you listed, but Hey, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, you know, it's not a gaming podcast as much as I love to talk about games, but uh, briefly Starfield should have been there. Diablo four should have been there. Throw, throw, I get Hogwarts is not the best game of the year. Throw that in best action adventure somehow. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, but, you know, all said and done, this is one of the best, probably the best year for video games, period. Looking across the board, just so many, like, 9s and 10s out of 10s when it comes to just high quality and things were held, right? You had the big pandemic that really slowed production down, and then this was, like, the backlog of the stuff that was being worked on that they had to hold, and then they are like, okay... Let's all put them out in 2023. These are all the games that should have been out a year or two ago. They're here, and they're all within a whole calendar year of this amazingness to play. And I'm, I'll be playing these games well into 2024, the ones I can play, because I'm not playing Zelda, I'm not playing Spider-Man 2, because they're you know console exclusives and all that sort of thing. So, but yeah. So there you go. There's, there's, our, there's our gaming... It's good. I mean, I like the, the movie awards and stuff, but it's fun watching the game awards. I would keep my eyes peeled in that first week of December because I wouldn't be surprised if Outlaws puts another trailer out. Um, maybe during the awards because we think that game is going to be out sooner than later. So um, that's when they reveal a lot of things, including maybe a look at Grand Theft Auto 6. So there we go. All right. Enough with video games. But we're going to be talking about Life Day. So Life Day, <laughs> I have a description right off of Wikipedia. I'm going to read it to you guys right now. Okay, so Life Day was a holiday of Wookiee tradition that celebrated family joy and harmony, values and tenets of Wookiee culture traditionally held at the Tree of Life on the forested Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk. Celebrations were held by people across the stars after the dark times of the Galactic Empire, making the Wookiee holiday their own. People marked the day with festive decor, lights, feasts, and music, where sentients were reminded of compassion, 
the promise of the tree of life. So there you go in our thumbnail. You see the, the Wookiees with the red celebratory cloaks and this kind of bubble, bubble thing with the life. And that's what they kind of like throw into the air and it like just hovers by the trees and all. So yeah, I mean, it's just kind of a free-flowing free uh, discussion. So technically, I don't know when this was deemed or where it was deemed. But Life Day is technically November 17th of every year. So just a couple days ago, people were out there on, on, the, on the interwebs going, Happy Life Day! And you might have not known what the hell they were talking about, but hopefully with our discussion today, you'll have a better idea of what it is and how it affects the, the Star Wars community in and outside of the canon and everything else. But yeah, Ben, I we were just chilling on the computer. You're like, oh, I'm watching the holiday special because this this is where it all comes from life day chewy can't be late for life day and that's that's where this came from the, the holiday special as you alluded to so tell us a little bit about it all right so for starters you know like george lucas basically he wasn't involved with it so keep keep that in mind with all these ah. all this discussion we're about to say because basically he just let um let the uh, the director who made this, I can't think of the guy's name, but they, he basically just let him have kind of free reign on this. And, you know, Lucas has said so many times, like, he wishes he could just, like, erase all copies of this. Oh, so, um, you know, we'll corner the conversation with that. But, um, but anyway, so, like, the holiday special, you know, it released in 1978. And basically... Um, it's this special, and the cool thing here, you know, there's there are some bright spots about it. You know, you have the original big three actors in it. You have actually all the actors from the from the episode mm -hmm. um, episode four. You have you have uh, Harrison Ford. You have Carrie Fisher. You have Mark. You have Anthony Daniels. You have Peter Mayhew. And then it's funny, like when R two D two gets introduced, you know, he's like the the uh, narrator's like R two D two playing as R two D two. Like they didn't even give like. Um, What's his name? Uh, the guy that played R2 credit on the intro. But Oh, yeah, Kenny you know, Baker, you, right? Yeah, Kenny I Baker. Really, I noticed give, that. Yeah, they didn't even give Kenny Baker credit, and it was so weird. I was like, okay, I guess we're just calling him R2-D2 now. Um, but And then like they introduced Chewie's family. So like the premise of this, it opens with Han and Chewie. You know, they're being chased by Imperials in the Falcon. And, you know, he's basically having to get Chewie back home for life day because they're late and you know like the imperials are interrupting it so like that's kind of like the start of it and then you know uh, we can like dive into this this whole thing oh yeah so i tried watching it last night and <laughs> i just couldn't believe my i tried watching it a long time ago and man this was an experience to say the least it was something that i watched and that's what i'll say about it because it was just absolutely bizarre well, it was it was weird because you had some, something about no subtitles, and then I was watching. I'm like, why aren't there? So I I get it. The Wookies usually you have Han Solo as a human, you know, inferring what Chewie is saying by what his own dialogue is. But when you have no Wookiee's human talking. characters, you have no human characters for like 20 minutes, and it's just this random stuff that these Wookies are doing. It's, this stuff would never fly today. This would this would never fly. Oh. Oh yeah, so basically you have like you have Chewie and Han getting chased and then it cuts to like the Wookiee family, Chewie's family, um Nala and Itchy and Lumpy and um you know those are his kids and you know 
like you said, the Wookiees literally talk. Like the first five minutes of the episode is Han and or the specials Han and Chewie, and then it cuts to the Wookiee family for legit like a twenty straight minute non-stop 20 straight minutes of Wookiee chatter with no diet no um subtitles whatsoever so you have to really pay attention to even understand what's going on and you still barely understand what's going on um just because it's so just wacky and then like you know you go from like the Wookiees um you know you have the Wookiees you know doing their thing it's like it's basically like showing like the daily lives of the Wookiees you know like leading up to life day kind of you know that's kind of like what you're getting out of it and then um you know, shortly after that, you have, um, you actually have, uh, you do have Darth Vader make a cameo appearance um, a little mm-hmm. bit after that. So, like, after the Wookiee scene gets done, you have Vader basically, like, you know, giving, like, a rebel alert to the sector of, like, the Wookiee homeworld and stuff to basically, like, have the Imperials, like, rule martial law because yep. they, you know, they they um, they know there's, like, uh, someone's on the run. There's, like, a rebel in the area or something that's on the run they're looking for. So, you know, all the all the Wookiees have to be, like, locked in their houses and or, like, everybody has to go back to their houses. And you have a, uh, like, a traitor, a human traitor, like, show up who's also, like, a kind of like a rebel agent. <laughs> um, you know, he shows up in the Wookiee house. And then you have, like, these, like, very cheesy Imperial officers show up. Like, man, those are, like, Walmart Imperial officers that showed up. But they show up and, like... It was just so bizarre. Like, bizarre is, like, the only word I can think of for it because it's just so... I I don't know. Like, I watched it before years ago, like I mentioned, but watching it and actually, like, really focusing and paying attention on it, you're like... Like, this is my thinking. This is what I kept thinking going through this entire thing last night. How? Okay, you know, no shade on the creator because, you know, we're we're not directors in Hollywood, but how do you watch A New Hope... And you come up with this as your continuation as a holiday special. Like, like, not going to lie, like, like, there's a lot of creative choices. You're thinking, man, what were you thinking here? Because this is just, it's wild. And then, you know, you have Vader, Vader lit, letting out an alert with martial law. And then, um, oh, so did you get to the cooking scene, Chris? Oh, yeah, that was, like, that was so weird. Yeah, so, like. You have, you have, um, like the Wookiees watching like a cooking program, like, like we're literally watching like an in-universe, like Gordon Ramsay type thing. And, and like, it's, it's probably like a solid 10 minutes, a cooking yeah. scene these Wookiees are watching and you're like, what is going on? It's like stir, stir, whip, stir, stir, whip. And yeah. it's like, what is going on? And then, and then like arms keep coming out of her body like just randomly it's like oh she just happens to have another arm and then another arm and then you're just like stir whip stir whip stir whip it's like oh and now you got your your food it's like what the hell is this you have to go into a certain pattern and it's, huh yeah it is extremely crazy and mind you so what we're talking about so far here this is like only like 40 minutes into this thing um <laughs> So, you know, you go from this, you go from, like, this cooking oh, scene. Oh, oh, remember the one scene when they're at the hollow table thing and there's, like, these, like, uh, j- uh, like little people dancing holograms? Yeah. Uh, they're, like, jexters or um, yeah. jesters from, yeah. like, a, like, a king or something. Like, they're just, like, elves or jesters that are doing these acrobatic things, like, randomly. I'm like, what is going on? 
Oh yeah. Yeah, you have like a big like dancing montage thing almost in there. Um and then it gets even better, you know, we're like 45 minutes into this thing at this point. And and like you have okay, so Chewie's dad. Like so I did research in that the the Wookiee that has like the weird like fantasy is like Chewie's oh dad if you didn't gosh. realize that. Yeah. Um so so like all right people. I kid you not. When you watch the holiday special, like Chewbacca's dad sitting in the living room and he like turns on, I guess like the computer or TV. And let's just say he's like watching, I would say what's in universe, like star Wars adult videos almost. Yeah. Cause like, cause I mean, I mean, that's what I would interpret it as like, you know, when you watch it, because, because uh-huh. literally you have this woman in this video and, and the, the funniest thing is I'm sitting here describing this and it sounds so ridiculous. I'm sure people, anyone listening to this is probably like, this can't be real. No, it's real people. That's real. So, so like, so like, I kid you not, like literally this was a star Wars production and it was released on like ABC or something. And you have this woman, like Chewie's dad's watching this woman and she's like, Oh, I'm like your, your fantasy and your pleasure and all this stuff. Like she's talking real, she like literally said intimately. The word pleasure, and I said, yeah, what she, the hell? Yeah, she literally said the word pleasure in a Star Wars Star Wars movie. And I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, she's like dressed up all like kind of like skimpy or whatever. And it's like, what is going on? Like, so like for starters, for creative purposes. OK, if you're making this, so you're going to have Chewbacca's dad sit there in the, li- in the living room and watch that and not even go to a different room. <laughs> like, like what is going on? So and mind you, this scene goes on for like eight minutes. So, you know, you go from that and then you get, so you get the Wookiee family getting a call from, um, from Leia to find out where Han and Chewie are basically. And the cool thing is, like I said earlier, it's Carrie Fisher. You know, it's awesome seeing Carrie, like, you know, shortly after a new hope back then. And, you know, it's insane to think about this, like outside of the original trilogy, you know, all of us have always talked about, oh, man, what would it be like to see Han, Luke, and Leia, like, outside of 4, 5, and 6, you know, when they were young? And, like, the only time we actually see them young are in this holiday special. Um, and, like, you get Leia getting this call, or, you know, calling, um, you know, calling the Wookiees and stuff, calling about Han and, Han and Chewie, you know, and, you know, they're basically getting reported that Han and Chewie are, like, you know, not there yet, and all this stuff. So, you know, she sends... Or they the like the rebels send Luke and R two and three PO to go and find them, and this is where it gets really wild. Uh oh! I was Chris, asleep I at this point. I was asleep at this point. <laughs> I did not okay. like that last look. <laughs> uh, okay, now I want to ask you this: How would you react if you were watching a Star Wars movie? You get Princess Leia, you know, doing this call to Luke and Luke and the droids, and then the you know Luke takes off in his X wing. And then it transitions to cartoons. It transitions to anime, pure animation. And it's like, wait, we're f- almost an hour or 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour into this. And it's transitioning to actual animation. Like, oh, I yeah. wonder how fans would react. Like if we would have went into like the rise of Skywalker and halfway through the movie, just like a 20 minute chunk of the movie was pure animation. And then it goes back to live action. Like that is actually insane so oh, so like man. so like i'm sitting there watching it i'm sitting there watching it and the funny thing is is the animated scenes looked better than the the, the real life scenes yeah oh i know i know like like they look better than the real life scenes the real life scenes look like you know almost like your walmart dude, level costume dude half the time real quick half the time yeah they were zooming in on like a, a flat painting 
Like, I, yeah. like making it seem like it was part of the like, dude. I can totally see it's just a painting. You're zooming in on the house. It's a painting. It's not actually like a constructed set. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy. So you have you have um this transition to animation. Yeah. And you have you have um you have Luke and the droids. They go to um this planet where actually like Han and uh, like Chewie are. And the crazy thing is, is you get there, and this is actually the significant part of about the holiday special is this is the introduction of Boba Fett to the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. So like you see Boba, you see Boba, and uh, he's in that classic holiday special armor. Like if you look it up, it's actually I like I really do like the look of that um, that holiday special armor on him. But you know, you get Boba getting introduced to Luke, and you know even then he's um, you know trying to like swindle. Or, like, trying to, like, you know, work, you know, like, do his bounty hunter, like, tricks on him. Like, you know, he tries to befriend him and all this stuff. And then this is where it gets really wild. So, you know, you have um, the Imperials released, like, this, like, sleeping virus on the city, basically. And it only affects humans, um, is what R2-D2 and 3PO say. And so, you know, Luke passes out. But here's the interesting thing about that whole thing. So when, when Boba's talking to Vader... The, the intercepted transmission R2 and 3PO get of Boba talking to Vader, Boba's talking to a live-action Vader even though he's a cartoon. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, what in the heck is going on here? Like, I think like, they just had having... to cut the budget at that point. We're like, alright, we can't do this scene, just just animate it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. So you have like Boba talking to like a live-action Vader transmission and it's like, what? okay. Yeah, it's like what in the world? So you have that happen, and then you have like, um, like Han and you know Han and Luke and them get woke up eventually. Like when Chewie gets back with Boba, because Boba Boba took Chewie on this mission to go find the antidote for the virus, which you know he was really doing that to stall to like you know call Vader. Mm. Um, and then basically like, um, you know they get back, and it's so like it's so weird because like Han and Han and Luke get woke up. Um, cause of the, cause of the, um, the, um, the antidote. And then you have, then you have Boba instead of like even putting up a fight, he's like, I'll see you soon friend. And he like leaves and it's like, okay. Um, you know, like that was pretty like interesting. Like he didn't even like try to wow. like capture them or Talk anything. About anticlimactic. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He literally like when they, when they, when 3PO and R2, 3PO, 3PO like tells his old Boba's whole plan. And like Boba literally just turns, he's like, I'll see you again, friend. And he like jets off. And it's like, okay. Like Yikes. that was anticlimactic. And then it so it cuts and like, you know, Chewie and Han and them and are like rushing back to like the Wookiee homeworld to uh to uh like you know go for the meetup um with all the Wookiees for Life Day. And you basically have like I don't know, I guess like a fake rebel call almost or a fake rebel thing. So pretty much like um, so pretty much you have the, I actually, well, first of all, for starters, you do get a, a, a bar scene. It has the Moss Eisley Cantina scene, oh. Cantina music, because they don't have any other music you oh, know, yeah, to yeah, play yeah, back then. Yeah. So it's, so it's the Cantina music and it's pretty much reminiscent of the Cantina scene, except the bartender literally sings a song with the bar patrons, like, saying pretty much saying it's like closing time on the bar and stuff because the imperials are putting martial law on us and blah 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 and like it's legit like a six minute number um and then after that scene 
it cuts to the Wookiee household. You know, they're like arguing with this Imperial officer, blah, 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 blah. And then they get a call back from the Imperials. So it's basically like them wrapping up the story without even like really doing much to wrap it up. But it's pretty much like they get a call back from the Imperials that there's like rebels in a different sector or something. So then they leave, the Imperials leave. And then all of a sudden, like a couple minutes later, you hear like the door getting pounded on. And you're like, oh no, are the Imperials back yeah. or something? And then it's like Han busting, you know, Han and Luke and Chewie and all them busting. And they're like, oh, we made it. Blah, 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 blah. Like happy life day and all this Jeez. stuff. And then Han and Han and Chewie, like it was cool though, getting to see like Han talking with Chewie, like because some of those moments with our live action characters were still good. Like you know it was cool. Han gave like Chewie and his family members a hug, and he's like, "I always view you all as like my family and all this stuff." So it was cool, like getting that. Um, and then Han and Luke, you know, they leave to go back to like the rebel base, and you have you know they meet back up with Leia, and Leia literally. Carrie Fisher legit legit does like this tree of life holiday um life oh, day holiday this. song and she legit like sings like this tree of life song literally to end the end the special and uh you know and she's like oh you know this is everything that the tree of life has taught us and blah 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 and then it, like cuts and it's like whoa what did i just watch like yeah so so that there was you insane. go i mean that's a pretty good rundown, a pretty good recap. It's gonna save all the listeners and 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 the, and the viewers out there a lot of trouble, a lot of wasted time, a lot of torture in some cases. Because man, oh man, you're watching this, and uh, I I still can't get over this first 20, 30 minutes. It just like for literally 20, 30 minutes of just nonsense. Like if you're not watching it, if you're in the other room and you're just hearing this, you're you're probably thinking, what kind of national ge- uh, geography thing about watch geographic thing my watching or something because it's just a bunch of noise and the cost cutting like the space sequences in the beginning were just ripped out of a new hope recycled yeah they were they were literally recycled shots of the tie fighters hitting the millennium falcon from behind yeah stuff like it was that. literally just it was literally just lifted from a new hope yeah so there you have it so getting into the second part of the discussion, now that you know where the spawning of Life Day came from, uh, why is it beginning to go into the positive realm of things? Or what I'm trying to say is this used to be a cursed topic in a Star Wars fandom where it was the thing that the hardcore fans knew about, but they never wanted to talk about. Like it was one of those like, you know, the thing that shall not be named. The holiday special. Yep. You do not want to talk about it. You know where to find it, but you certainly don't want to recommend it to anybody. So how does I mean it the go? Creator, the creator yeah. hates it. The creator, yeah. George is like, oh, that thing. I don't know what you're talking about. He just disregards it. So Life Day spawned out of the holiday special, and there's been so many things since that have referenced Life Day, right? So it's pretty yep. interesting to see the comeback of something so negative being spun into so many things so yeah i want to just take the time to just mention a couple things that kind of legitimize the holiday special in a way well all right so first of all i think one of our number one things we got to bring up is the kickoff the very first day of disney plus oh Um, yeah you know mandalorian mandalorian season one episode one i mean life days mentioned in like the first what 10 minutes of the episode Mm mm-hmm 
Yep, the uh the blue guy says something. I'll be late yep. for life day. Ugh. Yep. He I mean he says it, so like you know, that's Dave basically acknowledging Dave and John basically acknowledging like that. And then, you know, it you know, it canonizes the concept of Life Day at least. And then, you know, throughout Mando, you know, we've had little nods to it. We had that nod. We had um in one of the episodes, like one of Din's main blaster rifles is Boba Fett's rifle from that special, from the holiday special. Like that's literally his rifle straight up, like they lifted it from that. Like it's it's called the same model and everything. So, you know, um it just it's just really cool seeing them embrace something so terrible um and and like embrace it in a way like you know they find the little bits and pieces of positivity that came out of that thing like there's not a lot but it's cool just seeing like how that's came around and then like you said it's it's trending more toward a positive direction obviously it's like atrocious atrocious i just watched it last night it's terrible but the thing is, it's trending more and more around to where, like, I feel, I feel like the fans, you know, it's trending more in that positive direction because, like, a lot of fans are embracing, you know, those type of, like, cheesy, nostalgic 80s, 70s things, you know, from all the different franchises, not just Star Wars. Like, I mean, look, DC just brought back Michael Keaton from the 80s Batman. Like, you know, so you have, like, a lot of like nostalgia almost, I guess, is getting embraced, which I think um, can be a good thing. And I think, honestly, I've joked around about it before, but I, I really do think they should do what Guardians of the Galaxy did, invest however much money, make an actual good quality Life Day episode and update it with Daisy, Adam, John, um, Oscar, even bring back Mark if you want to. And, like, just make a live-action Life Day, like, 45-minute special for Disney+, Plus, just like Guardians did. And, you know, this time it won't have 20 minutes of animation in it. Like, you could actually do something and, you know, now you have more, in theory anyways, more competent creators to make it. Uh, right. Remember the Lego Life Day special? Yeah. The Le- I mean, look, yeah. they, already made a, they already made a Lego one, so, like, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That one was great. I loved I loved the concept of Ray going through time travel and finding Mandalorian, find pod racers, finding all these prequel characters and like having this big battle at the end. Like that was so nuts, but it felt so right, you know. Lego can do that. Lego can get away with a lot of fun things, but yeah. I could find some truth in that. I could find some stuff that will fit right in. Um going back in a day to a game that's been out for over 10 years, uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, MMORPG. There are events in a game that come around every once in a while, and the Life Day event was an event that's been around since, I think, the ga- the beginning of the game. So they they have this, like, week or two weeks where they have some snow here. They have those, like, bubble things they could throw at people or something like that. But it just goes to show you, like, even way before the Disney buyout, like the legends material was even, you know, acknowledging the the the, the holiday special in an obtuse way, um, because there's really not any other Star Wars holidays. I think we talked about this a few times. Like they're really Life Day is like the only one that I can think of that they've focused on. I would like to see them do another another Life Day. Well, actually, they have 
the Life Day Treasury book that Kevin Scott wrote. There's also a cool High Republic story in there, but basically what that book does is it shines a light on different cultures of, of the Star Wars galaxy, different aliens, and they all have a different name for what Life Day is in their own culture, but basically oh. it's like they're all celebrating around the same time of the year for their planet, whatever that could be, in the same kind of way, right? It's all about compassion, you know, giving others something and, and, and get, you know, so... You know, it is a lot of it is a lot like our society where we have holidays that could be kind of similar for for other religions, maybe and civilizations, but they all come around to doing the same th same sort of like compassion type of stuff in the end, you know. Oh yeah, for sure. Like you know, it fits right in with with like our holiday seasons of like thanks thanksgiving and christmas and things like that um around this time of year like the november december season because like you notice like a lot of people are usually in like better moods around these times mm -hmm. of year because of like those holidays specifically um so you know you have a lot of that so like you know they kind of applied that to this special and um and yeah like you know um like you said it, you know in like the star wars universe like that's pretty much like you know the star wars Christmas slash Thanksgiving type thing combined pretty much. Um, and it's cool, you know, it's cool that they have something like that in Star Wars because, you know, we can like relate to that. It's like a relatable concept. Like there's always relatable concepts in movies and shows mm -hmm. of of different things. You know, we always talk about like the hero's journey. Like that's a relatable story concept we relate to. Like, you know, so these type of holidays where it's like people like being happy and like, you know, having good family time. You know, it's uh, it's relatable. Um, and also speaking of this special, I believe in one of the books or something or another, they made one of the Wookiees canon. I'm pretty sure either like either lumpy or itchy or I believe, one of those. Yes. Oh, that, oh, thanks for bringing that up. That's the aftermath life life debt book. I think they go back to Kashyyyk and yep. his son is there and he meets Chewie's son. And I believe his his wife is there too, Mala. Yep, Mala. So yeah, that's that's cool. Oh man, I gotta reread that book. I the life the life that book is so good because that that whole sequence on Kashyyyk, when it's like this guerrilla warfare and it's just it's really brutal on the Wookies. But man, I could use more of that. But yes, yeah. So that's what I mean. It's in it's literally. Life Day is represented in every single medium of Star Wars except the movies. I don't think there's been any references in the actual films, but every other avenue it's mentioned. So games, well, movies, there's a comic book one shot called Life Day that came out last year. Well, I think did we um did they indirectly cuz like you were saying Chris like it's you know life is viewed differently around the galaxy as you, you know it it may not be like the kashik one but around that same time period around yeah. the galaxy it's getting viewed like celebrated and stuff did we indirectly though um witness life day though in rise of skywalker because they said okay i gotta do, we gotta do some math here so when was rise of skywalker released again was it 19 or 20 19 at the end in december okay because they said how when when they did the celebration with Lando and them, what they say it was like forty years or forty some forty one or forty two years or something, 
and mm-hmm. and that many years prior would have been 1978. I'm pretty sure they said like 40 or 41. Hmm. So I I wonder if that was like an indirect callback to this holiday special because because they said it was like 40 some years. I'm I'm like like 95% sure they literally said that word like 40 or 41 or whatever. So and you know if you think about that like 40 some years before that would have been like 78 77 somewhere in there 79 like so maybe that celebration in rise of skywalker was like you know that planet's life day hmm yeah agent agent class right that's where they were at the end yeah could so it makes possible so, so that's what i wonder i mean that's the only like in universe thing I think that would be even close to it. Um, but yeah. yeah, but it's just you know going through going through a list of of everything that has been mentioned, right? Like we're we're going through life day number one. Uh, oh, even in Star Wars, I just watched this the other day. Duh, Star Wars <laughs> Young Jedi Adventures. They actually go to Kashyyyk and they, they help out with Life Day. That's right. I just watched that the other day. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It's mentioned in things like Star Wars Squadrons. You know, there's there's multiple references in the High Republic. Yeah, so it's it's literally all over the place. I'm very curious about Legends, though. Like, how, how does Legends treat it? Looking through the Legends timeline, um, obviously I said the the Old Republic has it. Oh, there's lots of it. If you look at the Legends lore, there's a, there's a lot more Legends lore for this than there is for the canon counterpart. All right. Oh yeah, so, there's uh, there's definitely a lot of yeah. Mo- oh, Death Troopers. Apparently, it's mentioned in your book. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember. It must have oh, been just to man. throw it. It must have been a little line because I definitely don't remember. Oh, my gosh. Happened. It was actually in Star Wars Galaxies and Empire Divided. Wow. Oh, it takes wow. Me back. Oh, it's mentioned in the New Jedi Order. Enemy Lines 2, Rebel Stand. Interesting. Like, those are definitely like one-off lines because I don't remember them doing a full-blown like celebration thing because I've read all those books. Like, but man, they might have. I just don't. Yep. You no, know, when you when you've read like every Star Wars Legends book, everything just like bleeds. Um, yeah, they bleeds together. In a couple X Wing books. Yeah. Oh, it's in a old Clone Wars video game. Wait, was it? Oh, the Clone Wars Adventures. I I don't even think I ever played that one. <laughs> no, I don't think I played that one either. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, this goes to show. This goes to show the lasting impact that this fictional holiday has you know kind of gone out and spread its wings and and gone out uh yeah yeah i will pivot us to one last one last news story and this one comes to us from attila the finster in our chat so there you go if you're part of the chat and you have a really cool topic we might just actually bring it up live on the show they are asking the Old Republic wanted to remake remasters canceled. Another failure from Disney. Yeah, so 
it looks like there this this has got my gears i was talking to you about this in private messenger earlier in the week ben um, like what what the, what hell of a show is going on there man like first it was it was announced i think three years ago maybe over three years ago which means if i was doing my math correctly i think it would have we would have been playing in an alternate dimension we might have actually been playing the kotor remake right now we could be reviewing it for all we know on this show right now in another universe but things just didn't align you you gave uh, sony was in partnership with this game when it was announced it was announced during a playstation state of play thing and they were like yes we have um the developer that that has been working on all of the uh ports and that immediately aspir a-s-p-y-r um, nope. they're, 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 they're great for the ports they make. They, they make all the star Wars ports. I'm pretty sure whether it be Republic commando pod racer, the actual KOTOR from back in the day, they've done all that, but I was already skeptical when it said they were the ones that are going to be spearheading the development. Like these guys don't have skin in the game. They don't have like an actual original IP that they've built from the ground up. They're just, you know, doing the, the, the remastering. So what's going on here? Then it went to another developer. Then it went to another developer after that that helped making Halo and Destiny. And then Embracer Group, which is like this conglomerate that is apparently buying out a lot of video game studios. They bought out a large portion of... Uh, I think it was a large portion of these East, these studios like Dy Crystal Dynamics and people making Tomb Raider. Anyway, and now that, that game company basically started laying off a bunch of people recently because their profits aren't good enough according to them. And I think that's uh, this might be a repercussion of that, unfortunately, is that they're looking at this game and they might be saying, hey, where are you guys at? Like, this is in development hell. We can't spend any more money on this. Let's just indefinitely pause the project. So I'm not saying that this thing is canceled. And this comes from a good source. This is from Jeff Grubb from, I believe he's from um, uh, Game Rant or something like that. But very well established, great reputation in the games industry. So what he says usually is pretty good track record. He's saying there's no, there hasn't been anybody actively working on the game. So take with yeah. that what you will. I mean, yeah, maybe they can like restart it. But right now, we're not getting this damn game anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I think I think at a point I think we're at a point with the game, you know, that's been so long. It's like it's like it's at a point like if you're from the company's point of view, it's like do we continue to keep dragging this out when you keep having these issues and issues and issues versus just like letting it go and moving on? to something else and also games beat you have that's, that's the that's the yep. journal that he's from yes oh yeah and then you have then you have like the repercussions potentially of all right so kodor it's an all-time star wars classic like a lot of people will argue it's like arguably the best star wars story ever even including in the movies people say so, ben people say it's the best role-playing game ever made not yeah. Okay. Star so Wars. people are saying it's one of the best games, period, ever made in the last yep. whatever eternity of games. Yeah, perpetuity. Yeah. So keep, so keep that in mind. So it's like you, you're gonna actually when you go and remake it, do you 
you know, you're you're taking so many potential repercussions. Like, in my opinion, there's no way you can win because yeah. all people are going to do is compare it to the old game. Even though the graphics and everything will look better, obviously, because, you know, we're years and years past the original. But people will still go basically frame by frame or like scene by scene of the game, you know, and really take it with a fine tooth comb. So I just think it's not worth the time and effort because I think it I think it could cause more harm and potential backlash than good, in my opinion. Um, so to me, I think the best solution, you know, I pointed it out in our chat um, a couple days ago. I think their good solution is, okay, you know, this is all just banking on if the James Mangold movie, you know, actually happens, like the movie that's taken place, you know, 20 some thousand odd years before, you know, our current, um, you know, current era of Star Wars. Like, why not just make a game in that time period? Like, not the not Kodor, but why not just make a game that's going to be alongside the James Mangold movie so you can start building out the 20,000 years of, you know, before, um you know, the 20,000 years era in current canon. So, you know, you could have a movie and a game simultaneously going on to, like, start to build out that content in that time period versus bringing back an old classic. And then on top of it, you're also putting indirect pressure on the James Mangold movie because if the if the Kodor game in theory is happening around the same even though it's not canon, but yeah. in theory it's happening around the same time as the James Mangold movie, that's gonna put weird pressure on the James Mangold movie to kind of almost satisfy like the Kodor crowd as well because they'll be looking for the Kodor content on screen in that movie once they hear Old Ooh. Jedi, you know, and all that stuff, they'll be looking to that. So. To me, I just think you're just really setting yourself up for not failure, but for potential like a lot of social media discourse. Yeah, that's that's what I also agree on. Um, you have something that shouldn't be messed with. I feel like I feel like I'm kind of happier. I, you know, imagining if the game came out, what, how much more damage would it do to the brand? I mean, the, the brand has already been damaged a lot from the sequel trilogy. It's not really any lie about that. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not taking too big of a step by admitting that. And I like the sequel trilogy. I enjoy it, but I, I recognize a lot of people in layman terms are just like, yeah, remember that sequel trilogy? Yeah, it's not doing much. Can't argue there. Yeah. Um. But so, do we really want to have? Another huge thing of people going, oh, remember they made that KOTOR remake and it just really was crappy. Like, we don't need yeah. that. Like, like, like the games have been great. The games people have still been bring up front. Yeah. Yeah, people do that I mean, every once in a while. Um, yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I think it's just there's, there comes a point where it's just something that's this good, don't mess with it. <laughs> my, my, my thing is people want an experience like that that's fine maybe just put it in a different timeline don't call it kotor so it doesn't have those you know that kind of pressure because no matter what there's there's pressure if you call something kotor remake so you got to just go ahead oh, and yeah. maybe put it in like the sequel trilogy era or something because if you put it in the past at all people are just gonna be like oh this is like trying to be kotor but it isn't then put it in the yep. future i don't know do do something in the future, but just give us like an updated RPG 
right? People keep looking at Baldur's Gate 3. I don't think it could be that, but maybe more like the Final Fantasy games that are like more like the action or, RPG or something. I mean, heck, why not just why not just give us a a game set during the prequel era during the Clone Wars and like you pick out of all the Jedi what character you want to play as Plo Koon, Kiati Mundi, Luminara, whoever, like you know, and just kind of do like a similar Kotor type thing. Like you know, yeah. you do your Jedi missions. That's like the only thing. you know, and, and and people love that prequel era. So like, especially our generation. So like, you could they could capitalize on that big time. It's difficult because I was listening to a podcast oh, yeah, all the today. Stories. I was listening to a podcast today, and I think the biggest thing that got people really into Kotor that maybe not even were Star Wars fans, it's just the RPG elements of the dialogue trees and how drastic you could go with the story and with canon being such a sacred thing these days it's not as loose as things were how do i yep. have a canon story where my playthrough is dark side and i just unleashed the army of the sith and you're saying on your end no my story is i'm a good guy and we vanquished the sith like that's where things are not the same as they used to be 20 years ago because there's a lot of different structure with the story and everything like that but that is the main thing like that's the main thing that people want they want to well, have here's, that freedom here's the solution of doing all that i have the solution for you for that it's easy all you do if you want to keep it canon all you do is just have the opening of the game be a jedi or a sith character having a vision and then the entire game is a vision and then the <laughs> jedi wakes up at the end and it doesn't change yeah. anything really yeah right. so like yeah you know that's that's like the only way you could do it like in canon is you'd have to have something kind of like you know kind of that like safeguards the story element so you can just keep it almost fantastical by like having a character like have a yeah. vision of you know a what if type thing or, or something. or like and this is why you can't be Plo Koon or Adi Gallia or Yariel Poof or whoever because those people have like actual lore that's why you build up a character. That's why they did this in KOTOR. Like, you build up, like, your yeah. character. Eventually, Revan became, like, a household name and all. But make a no-name character. And maybe the way they can work around it is have, like... I wouldn't say small scale, but maybe, like, this little system that's, like, off in the distance of the galaxy. That's kind of on its own. You might have a Not system Outside the like, galaxy, like Peridia. Like, yeah, like, six that. or seven planets... And then from here on out, when, when your books refer to it, when the series refer to it, be like, oh, we heard rumors of this happening over there. You don't have to be direct. You could just be, oh, the legend said that this happened over there. Or rumors have it that this happened over there. That way, everybody's story always exists, but you're not like just declaring that this was the outcome of this player's journey. Just say, oh, yeah, this was this happened out there. These are the... These are the enemies. Like you're not gonna make a reference to the actual story itself, just or the outcome, just maybe elements that were a part. And that's we had this conversation before. And we were hearing about Star Wars Outlaws, the upcoming open world game. There are decisions you make. Hey, I can I can be with the Pikes at this point of the story, or in this point of the story, maybe you choose to be with the Huts instead. You know, they're not gonna have like those little like nuanced uh, little things like that. It's really the end game that is gonna have a set set kind of story route i guess you could say or something yeah yeah i mean you could like you said you can work around some of those things just by saying like oh rumors or stories or whatever just because it's i mean heck like obi-wan said you know in the original trilogy from a certain point of view yeah like 
you know, you have that built-in kind of, you know, kind of like storytelling and like rumoring in the universe already. So like you could work with some of that like flexibly, I would say. Um, like, yeah, I mean, I think there's ways they could do it. It just, you got to get some good creatives on it, really. That's the main thing for the story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a little bit, I am a little bit bummed because the way they made it sound was they were going to revamp the entire combat they were going to have it more action-based. They said it was going to be more like they had somebody that was recruited that, that worked on Demon Souls and it worked on Ghost of Tsushima. So it's like, oh, wow, those are some high echelon developers that worked on like more action-oriented combat. And I think right now people are, and I say this, but I'm also looking at Baldur's Gate 3. It's like, for the most part, people are kind of done with turn-based games. They want that, um, you know, Final Fantasy-esque where it's like you're more action-oriented, but then you look at Baldur's Gate 3, and that's probably going to be game of the year from what, what I can imagine. And that actually went back in time to where it's like more like that turn-based, like I do something, wait for the other person to react, then I do something. It's a lot more of that, I believe. So, I mean, hey, what's not to say that maybe they're looking at Baldur's Gate 3 like, you know, if we do a KOTOR spiritual successor, we could still kind of use the same system, just update a little bit, and eh, maybe people will be down for it. Yeah. I mean, they could easily do that. Um, yeah, I just think, yeah, it just comes down to how they do that. And, like, you know, just the marketing for it once they would get a game like that built up. Like, because you just got to, like, you got to, like, with those type of projects, you got to, like, control the marketing so hard. Like, you know, it's hard to, like, not compare it to Codor. Like, you know, so you couldn't, you couldn't have a lot of, like, the creatives out there saying like oh this is the next kotor blah 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 because you know then it sets your expectations way up here so like you know they would have to like get some of that side of things like you know like i harped on it last week about star wars pr they would have to get the pr team really on point sharp like you know hey this is the game plan etc like you know don't really mention kotor unless you know you get asked about it like say something fond about yeah. it move on like you know you ha they would have to do do it that way because as soon as you mention, like, as soon as a creative from that game would, like, mention KOTOR, for example, yeah. you know, that would immediately set your expectations to KOTOR level. Okay, if it's not as good as KOTOR, the game stinks. So, mm. like, so they have to, like, with games like this, like, it just comes down to marketing and what's said in the marketing process and things. Like, you know, um, you know, like with Skeleton Crew coming up, um, who knows whenever it does come up. But, like, you know, with that show, we're hearing, you know, it's just like you hear a lot of Jude Law stuff. But the good thing is, like, most people don't have a problem with Jude Law. So it's fine. Like, that's fine marketing and they're fine, like, chatter about it. But, like, if it's something negative, then it then it would already put, like, a negative spin on Skeleton Crew. So, like, you know, it just comes down to that whole, like, marketing vibe for a game like that. A game like that could potentially work if that type of communication is done well. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, that that PR really has to be on it because the gaming community is so volatile and so toxic. Oh and yeah, I love the gaming community, but man, it is some of the worst reactions you'll see to just about anything online when it comes to the culture and everything. So yeah, it just gotta, just gotta. You know, I'm still waiting for Star Wars Eclipse. Darn it! Like I, I really yeah. thought that trailer was kick ass. I, that's another one that's kind of been out there. I, I know they're working on it. They're trying to recruit more people, but the studio is not the best studio because uh, they're, you know, 
they have some weird stuff that was going on culture wise over there, but yep. hopefully they clean well, that you... up and I can actually get to play a High Republic game. <laughs> yeah, I mean you have that. You have um I mean heck, another thing too, talking about Star Wars PR, kinda like off the cuff here. I mean, did did you get a chance to see Taiga Watiti's comments this week? No. Oh, didn't you? Oh, okay, yeah. He got fans riled up a couple days ago. I'm sure any of our um, eagle-eyed viewers or listeners on here, I'm sure they saw it trending. So this was like, I believe, Thursday or Friday. Taiga Watiti was trending, and I was like, oh, I wonder what he's trending about. And I clicked on it, and I was like, oh, no. Star Wars drama. Um, he flat-out said, quote, his Star Wars movie is going to piss people off, unquote. Um, so, you know, of course the Star Wars fans were, like, going wild about that. But the thing is, like, with Taiga, like, you know, when you read the full quotes and everything, he's, like, joking. Like, you yeah. know, you, you can, you're, you're jo- you know, he's joking. He's a, he's a comedic person. He, you know, he jokes around with all kinds of things, like, much less just Star Wars. He jokes around about Marvel and, like, his other movies. So, like... You know, I don't see personally, I don't see a problem with him saying that just because, you know, he's probably just doing that to get a rise out of the fans mm-hmm. um, because he's that type of a joking person. But even though, see, this is my thing, even though I know and, you know, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure if you would have saw the quotes too, Chris, you would have been like, oh, yeah, he's joking. Like, it's clear he's joking. But the problem is this is where, like, I come back, like harping on like the Star Wars marketing and PR and stuff. Like, you know, like we were talking about the video games and, you know, last week we were talking about the movies. Like, with Star Wars, I wish they would reel in some of this PR stuff because, in my opinion, even though Taiga was joking, that quote should not even be a headline that's even out in the media in the <laughs> landscape because, 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 because then you see people saying, literally, I saw so many videos, people, you know, people making headlines. Taiga Watiti says he wants to piss off Star Wars fans. Like, so, like, to me, that's where I'm just like, man, come on, guys, like, get this, get this marketing under, under, um, under some wraps here. But the interesting part about um, his quotes that came out was like, like, it sounds like his movie's not like a mega priority right now, but it's, it also yeah. sounds like he's like getting close to being, you know, completing it, you know, based on that interview we had the other day. So, um, that's probably going to be coming in the pipeline eventually. But I think that's the farthest movie out, you know. You know, we have the Ray movie, we have the the Dave Filoni movie, we have the James Mangold movie. Like the Mangold movie's twenty twenty seven, so I bet you we're not even gonna see like like if the Taiga movie happens, it's we're probably looking at like twenty twenty eight, twenty twenty nine. All right, so I had to dig up. I had to dig up the article. Oh yeah, yeah. Check May it out. It's fourth. No. no. May 4th, 2020 was when they announced Taika Waititi to direct and co-write a Star Wars feature film for theatrical. Over three years ago, three and a half years ago. Dude. I And it might, it, not, it might end up being seven or eight years later. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I get it. I'm not part of the Hollywood machine and all that. But, and he had said recently that he has other scripts he's working on before. So you're telling me he had all these projects over three years ago? I doubt that. So this is where I don't understand because this project has been with his name on it for over three years. And I get he's taking his time. I get it. But what the heck is this not a priority for him for? Like, this is Star Wars, you know? Yeah. I, I just find that 
just crazy to me that he's released like how many movies since like this thing got announced now like i he keeps going back to oh, i'm finishing well, this first right, i'm finishing this first you know well right right now he's working on um i was listening to another friend's podcast the other day he's working on i believe three separate things right now he's working on the star wars thing apparently he's working on a anime or he's working on a movie from an adaptation from I think it's an anime novel or a comic or something. It's called like the Akira Monster or something. He's adapting that to like either a, a movie or a show, and then he's doing something else. So that he has like three different projects he's working on right now. Like, mm. so I just I am I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens with him because the, here's the here's the thing. Like at the end of the day. So setting aside the bad PR and the bad comments and the ill-advised comments, because don't get me wrong, I'm the joking type of person too. Like, I would probably poke fun at people just because I'm that type of person. I'd be like, come on, guys. Like, you know, don't, you know, I, I'm more aware. Because I, like, like for me with Tyka's comments, I just think with him saying that, it's almost like him saying that, it's almost like him being aware of how sensitive like the Star Wars fandom is to any little headline. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's him joking and then he may deliver, you know, on a movie. Like, he may deliver something good. Like, it's just like, you know, your reverse psychology thing. Like, people setting expectations way over here and then it's way over here. Because the thing is, Taika, like, he's a good director. Like, you know, he's had good movies and things. And he just, uh, he just says a lot of wacky stuff in the media. But setting aside what his comments are, at the end of the day, Star Wars fans can say what they want about his comments, but at the end of the day, most people love the finale of Mando Season 1. You know? Mm. Like, like that that was done really well, and you know, most people really enjoyed it. And it had... You know, I guess we did kind of see Tyka's, co Tyka's comedy in Star Wars, because, you know, he had the Stormtrooper punch Grogu when he was in, like, the bag or whatever. But other than that, like... The finale for Mando season one wasn't a big, you know, comedy show. Yeah, you know, I often forget that he he directed that episode and he voices IG Eleven. I mean, I just watched uh, his his upcoming movie. Actually, I think it's out. Yeah, it's out by now. At the uh, it was at the uh, AMC in New York City. Uh, they have this thing called um, Next on Screen or something. It's like a you get, it's a mystery movie. Uh, mm -hmm. Screen Unseen, Screen Unseen. It's a new initiative by AMC Theaters. You can pay $5 and you don't know what movie you're going to see, but it's an upcoming movie. So I was really hoping it was the Marvels, but it ended up being a Taika Waititi movie that I had never even seen a trailer for. So it was pretty fun. And it was a good movie. It was really good. Heartfelt. Like, that's the thing with Taika Waititi. He knows when to be funny, but he also knows when to rein it back and then, like, really hit you in the gut with something emotional. Um, so, yeah, first of all, recommend seeing that movie. It was really funny. I thought it was great, but uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I I just thought that Kathleen Kennedy in one of the interviews basically said like, from now on, directors are going to be more focused. Like, they're not going to have as much leeway to like do like several projects. But I guess yeah. you know, with him, it's an exception because that guy's always involved with three or four things at once. It seems like. See, I think I think with him, he's kind of like on the inside. Um, kind of like group of creators with Star Wars at the moment. Because, you know, he's he's doing the voicing. He's directed in the Mandoverse. Like, you yeah. know, he's being involved with them. And he's kind of like indirectly, you know, under like the Disney umbrella with Marvel too. Mm -hmm. um, I think with him, it's 
see like with see this is it's crazy to say but i feel like you know of course the the ray movie's happening the dave movie's happening because like the ray and dave movie you know you got to view them like this they're like ideas from inside the building you know like lucasfilm was the ones that came up with those ideas like lucasfilm employees like dave and then of course like you know they everybody in that building would want to continue the sequel era so you know you got those projects that are inside the building and i would say like you know by the comments anyways it sounds like james mangold is the one that pitched the idea to lucasfilm for his movie so it sounds so to me it's like if any movie wouldn't happen, I feel like it would be the Mangled movie. And then maybe the Taiga movie replaces the Mangled movie. Because the Taiga, like the Taiga stuff, it feels like he's working, you know, inside Star Wars with them versus being an outsider pitching the idea to them. So mm. that's my that's my view on that. Because it's like, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I, I don't know about like the Mangled movie. Will it happen? Will it not? Like after, you know, the last time Mangled worked uh you know closely with them they had one of the biggest box office flops in history in indie so mm. it's just like you know do you re can you really go to the board and be like yo we need 200 million dollar budget for this movie you know don't pay attention to the last time we collaborated <laughs> um you know that's 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 something i think about so so i'm kind of like skeptical on that and i feel like i feel like if anything happens like maybe the taiga movie slots in in 2027 like december 2027 potentially but even at that, at the end of the day, like you said, Chris, at minimum, that's seven and a half years after that movie got announced. And I know the film had been reeling back on that. Like they're very secretive now. They don't like to announce even the dates of the, the damn shows coming out until like a month before, right? So at the same time, like they're doing that because of this issue, right? Let's hope let's hope that this doesn't happen again. They announced at Celebration, but they never even gave dates for those movies, although they've been speculated on when, and now with the strike being over, and that was lasting six months, that's all in flux now. But, uh, yeah, so, so there you go. There's some random topics there at the end. So we got you guys a nice longer episode in the end of it all. But uh, we, hoped we, we hoped you guys enjoyed our discussion about Life Day, about overall with the games right now. A little bit with the movies, so I think we kind of covered all major territories in the Star Wars galaxy. Ben, thanks for joining me tonight on another great episode of Outer Rim Transmission. Where can the people find you? What are you talking about online? Yeah, yeah, you all can find stuff. me talking. Um, you can find me talking Star Wars and fitness and sports at Real Ben Maynard on Twitter, and you can find me. Um, probably sharing like fitness things on Instagram at real Ben Maynard as well. And then if you want to follow Milton, um, he always, he posts his workouts a few times a week or he'll post like his meal prepping and stuff on his Instagram. It's Milton seven Weber on there. There you go. There you go. I want to give a shout out to our chat room. We had star Wars timeline gracing our presence. It's so nice to see you back, man. Um, so go ahead and check out his content. He has some really great dives into legends and other things on his channel. We also had Attila, the Finster, and your friend Ben, Alex Elkins, was chatting it up yep. all about the good stuff. So yeah, you guys can join <laughs> them. Get your feedback to us. You can also do that on Twitter. Tweet at all of us. You can also send an email to outerrimtransmission at gmail.com. That's still active. You can also buy a t-shirt from Teespring. 
just look up out of room transmission again if you are watching thank you for watching you can also listen after the fact on any podcast streaming service of your choice whether it be apple amazon google all those ones spotify make sure you go ahead and give us a review helps us appear on the algorithm a little bit easier and then of course tune in every sunday around now 7 p.m eastern where you'll be able to interact with us live and join in on the great positive star wars vibes we have going on every single week here so for Melon who couldn't join us for ben for i chris aka star raptor that's gonna do it for outer room transmission 129 thanks for watching everybody and may the force be with you always and transmission <laughs>